March 18th, Bible in a Year, Reading Plan, Robert Murray McShane. Let's pray. Holy Heavenly Father, I ask for insight this morning. I ask for energy this morning. I ask for you to lift me up out of my tiredness, Lord, that you would quicken me to clear knowledge and a clear sight of you through your word. Anyone that might ever listen to this, in Christ's name I pray, amen. Exodus 29. This is what you are to do for them to consecrate them to serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two unblemished rams with unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers coated with oil. Make them out of fine wheat flour, put them in a basket, and bring them in a basket along with the bowl and two rams. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of the meeting and wash them with water. Then take the garments and clothe Aaron with the tunic, the robe for the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him with his woven waistband. Put the turban on his head and place the holy diadem on the turban. Take the anointing oil poured on his head and anoint him. He must also bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. Tie the sashes on Aaron and his sons and fasten headbands on them. The priesthood is to be theirs by a permanent statue. This is the way you will ordain Aaron and his sons. You are to bring the bowl to the front of the tent of the meeting, and Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the bowl's head, slaughter the bowl before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and apply it to the horns of the altar with your fingers, and pour out all the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe on the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat on them, and burn them on the altar. But burn the bull's flesh, its hide, and its waist outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Take one ram, and Aaron and his sons are to lay their hands on the ram's head, you are to slaughter the ram. Take its blood and splatter it on the side of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces. Wash its entrails and legs and place them with its head and its pieces on the altar. Then burn the whole ram on the altar. It is the burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a fire offering to the Lord. You are to take the second ram. And Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the ram's head. Slaughter the ram and take some of its blood and put it on Aaron's right earlobe on his son's right earlobe, on the thumbs of his right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. Splatter the remaining blood on all sides of the altar. Take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle them on Aaron and his garments, as well as on his sons and their garments, so he and his garments will be holy, as well as his sons and their garments. Take the fat from the ram, the fat tail, the fat covering the entrails, the fatty lobe of the liver, the two kidneys, and the fat of them, and the right thigh, since this is a ram of for ordination. Take one loaf of bread, and one cake bread made with oil, and one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread and that is before the Lord, and put all of them in the hands of Aaron and his sons, and present them as a presentation offering before the Lord. Take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a fire offering to the Lord. Take the breasts 
from the ram Aaron's ordination and presented as a presentation offering before the Lord. It is to be your portion. Consecrate for Aaron and his sons the breast of the presentation offering that is presented and the thigh of the contribution that is lifted up from the ram of ordination. This will belong to Aaron and his sons as a regular portion from the Israelites, for it is a contribution. It will be the Israelites' contribution from their fellowship sacrifices, their contribution to the Lord. Holy garments that belong to Aaron are to belong to his sons after him, so that they can be anointed and ordained in them. Any priest who is one of his sons and who succeeds him and enters the tent of meeting to minister to the sanctuary must wear them for seven days. You are to take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. Aaron and his sons are to eat the meat of the ram and the bread that is in the basket at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. They must eat those things by which atonement was made at the time of their ordination and consecration. An unauthorized person must not eat them, for these things are holy. If any of the meat or ordination of any of the bread is left until morning, burn what is left over. It must not be come. It must not be eaten because it is holy. This is what you are to do for Aaron and his sons based on all I have commanded you. Take seven days to ordain them. Sacrifice a bowl as a sin offering each day for atonement. Purify the altar when you make atonement for it and anoint it in order to consecrate it. For seven days you must make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. The altar will be especially holy. Whatever touches the altar will be consecrated. That is what you are to offer regularly on the altar every two, every day, two-year-old lambs. In the morning, offer one lamb, and at the twilight, offer the other lamb. With the first lamb, offer two quarts of fine flour mixed with one quart of oil from crushed olives, and a drink offering of one quart of wine. You are to offer the second lamb at twilight. Offer a grain offering and a drink offering with it, like the one in the morning, as a pleasing aroma of fire offering to the Lord. This will be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance to the tent of the meeting before the Lord. For I will meet you to speak with you. I will also meet with the Israelites there. And that place will be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of the meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. So that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Mm. All pointing to Christ. So much pointing to Christ. Proverbs 5 today. Proverbs 5 today. The reading plan. Avoid seduction. My son, pay attention to my wisdom, listen closely to my understanding, so that you may maintain discretion and your lips safeguard knowledge. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps head straight for Sheol. She doesn't consider the path of life, she doesn't know that her ways are unstable. So now, sons, listen to me and don't turn away from the words from my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. 
Otherwise, you will give up your vitality to others and your years to someone else. Strangers will drain your resources and your hard-earned pay will end up in a foreigner's house. At the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed and you will say how I hated discipline and how my heart despised correction. I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my instructors. I am on the verge of complete ruin before the entire community. Drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams in the public squares? They should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Why, my son, would you lose yourself with a forbidden woman or embrace a wayward woman? For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. A wicked man's iniquity will trap him. He will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. He will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity. Yeah. <sighs> Off the reading plan, daily proverb. March 18th, Proverbs 18. One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. When a wicked person comes, contempt also comes and among with and along with dishonored derision. The words of a person's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. It is not good to show partiality to the guilty, denying an innocent person justice. A fool's lips lead to strife, and his mouth provokes a beating. A fool's mouth is his devastation, and the, his lips are a trap for his life. A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. The one who is lazy in his work is a brother to abandon. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city. In his imagination, it is like a high wall. Before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is... <coughs> oh, excuse me. The one who gives his an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. A person's spirit can endure sickness, who can survive a broken spirit? The mind of the discerning acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks it. A person's gift opens doors for him and brings him before the great. The first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. Casting the lot ends quarrels and separates powerful opponents. An offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city, and quarrels are like the bars of a fortress. From the fruit of a person's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor person pleads, but the rich answers roughly. One with many friends may be harmed, but 
There is a friend who stays closer than a brother. went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left, the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to a woman, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on do not sin any more. Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, My testimony is true because I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. And he said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me, and you will and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, He won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they questioned. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. 
one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. So then, you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature, because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I do not speak of my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, You aren't fifty years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. That's not the Jesus you see being preached in many churches today. Powerful. 
Galatians 4 today. Galatians 4. <clears throat> now I say that as long as the heirs, heir is a child, he differs in no way from the slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardian and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I beg you, brothers and sisters, because become like me for... I also became like you. You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So then, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? They court you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner and not just when I am with you. My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. Tell me. You who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. These things are being taken figuratively, for the woman represents two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. You too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as then the child was born as a result of the flesh, persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of a free woman. Second uh, Corinthians seven through nine. Monthly meditation verses. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit. 
bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, since I have already said that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with encouragement. I am overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. In fact, when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way, conflicts on the outside and fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice. Not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance, for you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourself, what indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. In addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy Titus had because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. For if I have made any boast to him about you, I have not been disappointed. But as I have spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be the truth. And his affection toward you is even greater, as he remembers the obedience of you all, and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, 8, chapter 8, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command, rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their needs, so their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus, for he welcomed our appeal, and being very diligent, went out to you and by his own choice. 
We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for the gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with his gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this sum, this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent them with our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent, and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore show them the proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you. Now concerning the ministry, chapter 9. To the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you. For I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter wouldn't prove not prove empty, and so that you would be ready just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in this situation. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised, so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by the ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Holy Heavenly Father, thank you for the the word this morning. Thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is life. Sanctify me with your truth, Lord. Your truth is ingrained in these words, Lord. By your spirit, we can discern them and see them and understand them, Lord, and taste them in a spiritual sense. Lord, I ask that you awaken me and keep me concentrated on your word today. Let those words emanate and be utilized in every facet of this day, Lord that you would be at the forefront of my recognition and anyone that ever listens to this, Lord, that the word would do its mighty work, that it would open the eyes of the blind, Lord, and continue to grow the saints that are already awakened. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.